Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schellenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Steve is the number one national best-selling author. He's successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for organizations around the world, an executive coach, the father of six, and the founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Here is Mr. Steve Schallenberger. Welcome to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners wherever you might be today. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host, and I'm excited to talk about a powerful principle that is totally liberating and brings confidence and peace in our lives. I'd like to introduce it with an experience I had just a few years ago with my wife. I got up early in the morning, uh, made some toast, uh, had a little juice, and then went out and exercised. And when I came back, there was a note on the counter where I'd made the toast, and my wife was nowhere in sight. Apparently, she had also gone out to, to do an errand or something else. And here is what the note said in her handwriting. After making toast or whatever, please wipe the crumbs up with a wet cloth. <laughs> the test is to wipe your hand across the counter and see if the crumbs are all gone. Yippee, it's clean. P.S., and please don't wipe the crumbs onto the floor. Thank you. And then there's a smile. Now, I want you to know people could take that different ways, and especially after being married like for 35 years. <laughs> well, I had a choice that day. And so what was my choice going to be? Just tear the note up, put more crumbs on the counter, <laughs> or respond in a responsible, uh, respectful way. And so what I did is I did clean things up. I didn't wipe them on the floor. And then I went in my office and typed up a note so that when she came back, there would be a note for her. Here is what my note said. Thank you for the feedback and the training. Well done. Nice, smooth, crumbless counters. <laughs> and a smile. Well, I want you to know, since that day, several years ago, I have not ever left crumbs on the counter or put them on the floor. Now, that introduces this tremendous principle today. It is the principle of being accountable, of taking responsibility. And it is one of the most liberating and energizing principles of the Becoming Your Best 12 Principles. And it is this, I recognize and take responsibility for my actions and outcomes. When we are accountable for our actions, significant improvement can begin to take place. And the opposite of taking responsibility is to place blame and criticize and complain and condemn, which ultimately results in wasted time and energy. To be accountable goes beyond just taking responsibility for our actions. Oftentimes, one of the greatest roadblocks to personal success is when a person blames or is constantly finger-pointing. And when you flip on, on the news or watch almost any politician, what does their language sound like when they're discussing issues? Uh, it's often a blame game, isn't it? We constantly hear the other side did this or that, 
and uh, it's really disappointing. So it's so much easier to move forward once we accept responsibility for where we are than it is to blame uh, other circumstances. And when we take responsibility for our life and actions, it, it gives us a starting place to move forward. And one might argue that our society is moving farther and farther away from personal accountability. And yet, so many of our challenges could be fixed if we as a society began to be accountable and take responsibility for our actions and our circumstances. To act or not to act, that, that's really our opportunity here. Uh, and it requires a determination to never give up on trying. Uh, so embedded in this commitment to be accountable is a commitment to act, not just until the going gets tougher or until you are distracted by one thing or another, and not just until it's inconvenient, inconvenient for you or demands too much. It means that we commit to our core to achieve our best no matter what. That's the responsibility that we accept. I love Yoda from Star Wars. As he so sagely put it, try not, do, or do not. There is no try. So on this one of taking responsibility, of accountability, is essentially that uh, we're going to do it. We're going to be responsible. And can any person give up after making a commitment to never give up? <laughs> Well, sure, it happens all the time. But if it stops happening for you today, if you resolve right now to hold yourself accountable to your results, you take a big step forward in becoming your best, as do I. Now, there are few thrills like the thrill of victory over self. You can almost feel the excitement as you contemplate making that kind of a commitment. And when there's accountability, there's higher trust. And when there's accountability, people tend to do more business with us. Have you ever talked with a customer service rep who refused to accept responsibility and essentially blame you <laughs> as the customer? Well, now, how did that make you feel? Do you want to continue doing business with that kind of a company? Well, of course not. Or how about the person who constantly is blaming others? Uh, how does that sound to you and make you feel when you hear that? Well, uh, that's not who we want to be. We want to be around someone who can be trusted, who people who we enjoy being around, and, and we want to be accountable. So think about your own organization. Is there a culture of responsibility and accountability. I, I'm talking within our organization and between you and your customers or your employees or even your children. And at the head of an accountable organization are leaders accountable. So to be an accountable leader requires a huge trust-building transparency. And today I'd like to just talk about three things that you and I can do to be more accountable to establish that type of a trust-building transparency of responsibility. The first one is when something happens or goes south, we take responsibility. The leader takes responsibility. 
Never will I forget as a young man reading the quote in uh, Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, this quote, and it stayed with me since the very first moment I read it. It is, any fool can condemn, criticize, and complain, and most fools do, but it takes character and self-control to be understanding and forgiving. Uh, Well, that is powerful. That is at the real heart of taking responsibility of being accountable and what's the pleasure in finding fault with someone else when we have enough or more on our own plate to take care of Uh, I have as many know uh, two of our sons uh, who all of our children are were fortunate they're awesome well two of them were fighter pilots in the United States Air Force and they described the fighter, fighter, excuse me, fighter pilot culture, and I realize that their culture is an excellent example of building this kind of uh, taking responsibility, being accountable, transparency. As a fighter pilot, the first thing Rob or Stephen would do as a flight lead in the debrief after the flight, and they'd always do this after every flight the whole team would get together and discuss about the whole mission in flight. The first thing they do as a leader, a flight leader, is admit their own mistakes and then describe what they could have done better. The flight leads are really translucent in their description. They disclose everything to the other members of the flight team and they give them their their notes and remarks to everyone else in the debrief as well so in other words it starts with the flight lead the leader and the flight lead uses i statements and not we the flight leader takes responsibility ultimate responsibility by using the word i and that's why fighter pilots uh, in their world a debrief is so sacred they call it a rankless debrief And typically in the Air Force, there's a a strict hierarchy that demands respect. But in a rankless debrief, the leader opens up to those in the flight as though they were all on an equal standing regardless of their rank. And isn't it true that we are often more open-minded when we hear the leader talk about what he or she could have done better, which makes us more open to our own critiques? And so this is powerful. Uh, some years ago, we had a, a serious setback, uh, and it, this is early in my career, uh, and it cost us literally millions of dollars. It was extremely painful. I could have blamed. I could have pointed out that it was the cause of it was the uh, economy or that it was this leader or that leader that made the mistake or it was the CPAs who failed to catch the problem, who we had several of them, but Really, what I decided to do, I was the president. I was the leader of the organization. I took responsibility uh, because perhaps uh, if I were more enlightened, I could have figured out how to prevent it. That's my job. I'm the one that appointed the people in the first place. Uh, I was the one that ultimately made the decision. The very minute that I took responsibility for every act in our organization, was the first step of freedom, of liberation, 
of being able to get on with things and get to a constructive resolution of the issue. And so that is the first thing I recommend is that the leader be the first one to take responsibility. And then it changes everything. Uh, Everybody else is free to get on with what can we do better? How can we improve? How do we take our good and make it better and our better best? So the second thing I would recommend is that you and I, when something happens, then we default to controlling what we can control. This is extremely powerful, focusing all of our energy on what we can control empowers us to uncover greater triumphs that were previously hid behind walls of perhaps criticism, complaints, and condemnation. This is so significant. And so, and then just think about when we focus what we can control. When we do that and you think about, well, okay, what can we control and what can we not control? Well, there are many things we cannot control. We cannot control the weather, uh, the economy, what other people say about us, what other people think about us. We cannot control whether people are rude or pleasant to us. Uh, we can't control the actions of others. But what, what we can control is what we think about them, what we choose to do about them that we can choose to take the high road, not the low road, that we can choose to immediately get to a constructive, positive place rather than to an endless negative round that when we get onto that course, we end up back where we started and we still have to solve the problem. So the second major issue I would recommend today is to control what you can control. And it brings such enormous power the second that you do that. Okay, so there's two things for us. One is our reflex is we take responsibility as the leader, ultimate responsibility. Number two, we immediately control what we can control. And now I have a a few other things that I'd like to just talk about because it's so significant. And and by the way, uh, it's interesting when you think about this issue of control, what you can control. Uh, Listen to the language of the various people who failed to complete a project by a deadline. I'm not being critical, I'm just stating the fact. This is all language of someone who doesn't take responsibility and is essentially blaming. In other words, words that that aren't focused on what they can control. So here you go, listen to a couple of these. Uh, Well, it's their fault, Uh, or I didn't have enough time, or I couldn't get it done because they didn't give me enough information. Well, it was too cold outside, or the reason I'm here is because of my parents. <laughs> well, this is language of someone who's focused on what they can't control, and it lowers trust, and nobody really wants to be uh, around that type of a person. The opposite is exactly true when we focus on what we can tr- control. Look at the language. Uh, it's my responsibility. Well, we made a mistake, so let's get going, all right? And uh, this is exactly it. I accept full responsibility for that project, or I'm sorry that this is late. I'll get the information and have it all delivered within two hours. So the person who answers in this attitude can now focus their thoughts and actions on finding solutions instead of blame. And so this is uh, the thought. I really like this idea. Sometimes in in our uh, seminars, we make a very powerful invitation uh, that for some people has been life-changing. Uh, it's not an easy one, 
And it is this. I invite you for the next 21 days to focus on what you can control. Take total ownership of your thoughts and words and actions. And that means there are no excuses and no casting blame, only accepting responsibility. And scientists believe that it takes somewhere around 21 days to form a new habit. So try to make it all three weeks. And if you slip, start over. I like a comment by Jim Rohn when he said, You must take personal responsibility. You cannot change the circumstances, the seasons, or the wind, but you can change yourself. And that is something you have charge of. So give yourself an opportunity to feel the thrill of the victory over self and feel this excitement as you make this uh, commitment to focus only on what you can control. And you can feel this liberation, this energizing power of being accountable as you take responsibility. This 21-day challenge is not a piece of cake necessarily, and you'll find yourself slipping, maybe saying something negative. So don't do it. (laughs) The last thing I just want to mention are a few ideas that can help you. They're actionable strategies to increase personal accountability. So here are just a few of them as we go into the stretch on this podcast today. One is eliminate procrastination. (laughs) Saying, I'll do that tomorrow, can't be that bad, can it? (laughs) Well, yes, it actually can. And procrastination can become a debilitating habit. And it must be avoided. It's a cancer we all fight to some degree. And at first thought, procrastination may seem like just a simple inconvenience for those affected. Uh, You'll get it done, just not right now. The problem is procrastination is a breach of commitment to act. It's a breach of trust. And at the high end, procrastination can have a truly damaging effect. Now, we're not talking about um, having an idea and setting the idea aside to let it percolate and and develop the thought. That's something far different. What we're talking about is when there's an expectation that we'll do something and somebody's depending upon it, uh, or even we may be depending upon it, it's having the discipline to follow through. So, like, how many people have put off a colonoscopy or a dentist appointment only to face greater difficulties as a result? Abraham Lincoln said it so well. You cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. (laughs) So what do you do when you're confronted with procrastination? Uh, Well, Lee Iacocca had a great answer. Anything, something, so long as you just don't sit there. Well, if we screw it up, start over. Try something else. And if We wait until we're satisfied with all the uncertainties. It may be too late. So I love that action bias thing. Just do anything, something. Let's get going on it. Get somebody else to help you. Really, is anyone perfect at avoiding procrastination? Well, of course not. Some of the most common causes of procrastination, though, can be fairly easily managed. So eliminate bookmarks in your browser to news or other internet internet sites that might distract you. Uh, Turn off the notification that sounds every time a new email 
hit your inbox. In other words, there are certain things that, that you can do. So those are just a couple of quick examples. And I love this model. So do it. Do it right and do it now. That's wonderful. Here's another one of those items, and that is to follow through. Uh, this is another key element in accountability. Uh, and it has to do with what we say and doing what we say will do it. You can just count on it. It'll be done. And I'll tell you, life is a, is a lot like golf. It's the follow-through that makes all the difference. So many principles play into this. And if we don't have a plan or a form of organization, things tend to slip through the cracks, and we're not viewed as someone who's responsible. And so uh, certainly doing pre-week planning is a powerful tool that helps avoid not only procrastination, but it helps you following through on the key things in life. Uh, that's a powerful tool. We actually just talked about that in a recent podcast as we set up a strategic rhythm. Well, you know, you have this vision and core values and your, your totally inspirational goals and your goals for the year. These are the things we're going to do that are the best within us that make it a reality. Well, it comes down really to doing our pre-week planning and setting up our week by goals and roles and, and scheduling our priorities. Well, this is extremely powerful as it come down, comes down to the day. So that's what I mean by having a way to organize yourself that, uh, that is helpful. Now, here's another tip is uh, we talk about these last items, uh, return and, and report. It's a game-changing tip. And did you know that one simple step to goal setting can increase your chance of success by up to 85%? And that is this idea of returning and reporting. In other words, uh, you go back and give a report to the person that you said that you'd do this to. The American Society of Training and Development did a study on accountability and found the following statistics. Uh, and this is why we share our goals with others. We share our plans with others. That's what we're really talking about. And then we return back and let them know how we did. So here you go. The probability of completing a goal... If you have a goal, is 10%. If you set a time when you'll do it, the probability of achieving it goes up to 40%. You have a plan of how you'll do it. It goes up to 50%. You commit to someone else, you will do it. Wow, goes up to 65%. And you have a specific accountability appointment with a person you've committed to. And the probability of achieving that item, that goal, that thing is 95%. So the likeliness of being successful in your goals or assignments is remarkably higher when you set a time to report back to someone on your progress. In other words, return and report to a person that is aware of your goal or assignment. Uh, set an, uh, an agreed-upon time to report back to that person. So, for example, uh, goals. My annual goals, I've for decades have shared them with my mentors. So what I do is I give them my goals, which is restricted to one side of one sheet. I can get them all on that one, one side. But they're inspirational goals. I share them with my mentors. At the end of the year, I report. 
I actually rate how I did, and then I give them my goals for the next year. This is like the example of doing that. Uh, it, but the principle applies anywhere. So this provides the mother or father, the supervisor or manager, also the ability to track progress in a professional sense. It also provides the person who received the assignment or set the goal the opportunity to show what, what he or she has accomplished. Well, there we go. Uh, this is a significant deal. I'd like to end with a story today, and it is what happens when one individual commits to eliminate these type of things, procrastination, follow-through, return and report, uh, but also criticizing and complaining or <laughs> focusing on the things you can't control. Uh, these are all round up in this one, and it's very similar to the 21-day challenge that I talked about before, and this actually inspired it. The Reverend Will Bowen of Christ Church Unity in Kansas City, Missouri, has a vision of ridding the world of complaining. Uh, his attention to accountability exemplifies the enormous possibilities of one committed individual. The only thing we can, can agree on, said Reverend Bowen, is that there's too much complaining. <laughs> well, that may be true. And as his own private stand against him, against this, the Reverend Bowen committed his congregation to refrain from complaining, criticizing, using sarcasm, and gossiping for 21 days. Just three short weeks. Uh, you remember our 21-day challenge. <laughs> well... To remind and motivate his congregation, everyone who pledged to accept the challenge was given a purple bracelet uh, embossed with complaint-free world. And anyone who slipped up had to change the bracelet to the other wrist and start counting the days all over again. It took the reverend himself three and a half months to achieve 21 consecutive complaint-free days. <laughs> And some members of his congregation took as long as seven months to reach the goal. It's obviously not easy, but it's an idea that has resonated with millions since that humble beginning several years ago. As of this podcast, their website reports distributing more than 10 million bracelets. And if the average person complains 20 times a day for 30 days, then that means that 9 million bracelets have stopped almost 5.5 billion complaints just this month alone. So the obvious benefit to us of the 21-day challenge is that complaining will slow down and eventually stop. And the less obvious but even greater benefit is that you will save time and energy as you focus your thoughts and communication on positive topics and outcomes. The time spent complaining will become time spent achieving positive things. Well, this has been great to be together today. Uh, just as a, a review of the things that you and I can do to be accountable, to be responsibility, to create this liberating force in our lives and with those that we work together with, is number one, as simply as the leader, as the parent, uh, as the coach, is to take responsibility for anything that takes place. And number two, 
is to control what we can control. And then number three are these things that we just talked about of avoiding procrastination, stepping up and doing the things we say, following through. And may each one of us accept this invitation to see if we can go 21 days. Well, this is Steve Schallenberger. And remember, one person can make a difference. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were, so head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there as well as the show notes page where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating and review is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.